Welcome to With Heart and Wonder. This is a place for us to explore heart-centered living and to celebrate what it means to live with wonder, with awe and appreciation for the possibilities that are within us and around us. I'm Megan Johnston, and I am truly so honored and excited that you are here. Let's dive in and journey together. You're listening to episode 44 of With Heart and Wonder, and I'm joined today in conversation by Steph Wall, who I met actually at a yoga training about a year and a half ago in Portland and was really enamored by her insights and reflections that um, I kind of got to witness from afar and then saw that she was starting to post on social media about myth. And I knew that I really wanted to have her on the podcast to really dive into this topic together. Um, I think you're going to love it. There's so much insight for how to work with myth in your own life. Let's dive in. Welcome, Steph. I am so, so excited that we get to have this conversation today and dive into this topic of myth. There is so much here for us to explore, but I would really love to start things off um, just by hearing a little bit more about you, and, and I'd love for you to share a little bit about, you know, I know you're joining us from Scotland right now. <laughs> like, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, great. Thank you so much for having me, by the way, and I'm so, like, I just get so lit up when when I get to talk about myth. It's so important. It's so special and powerful. So we'll talk all about that. But um, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I'm Canadian. I'm from West Coast, Canada, uh, Vancouver and Calgary. And then I moved over to Glasgow almost six years ago now. So I've been in Scotland for about six years. And um, now I, I have my own studio. It's called the Cali Collective. So it's named after Cali. I'm sure we'll talk a lot about Cali as we get more into myth. Uh, so I'm, I'm over here. Uh, I love it over here. I love Scotland. Scotland is a really cool place. There's so much metaphor and symbolism with Scotland and how it all ties into myth. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. Scotland's so like, it's just got this mysterious, mystic kind of yeah. energy to it. You, you know? think of so the fog dark. and you think of the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the totally, castles. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's always like misty and yeah, castles and all that sort of thing. Um, so it's a great place to, to continue to uncover myth and, and its symbolism. And there's so I mean, Scotland's so old, right? So it's got so many of its own stories and, and, and myths here, too. So it's been really beautiful to just explore this culture and be a part of this land as well. Um, so that's that's me. I've been teaching yoga for almost 10 years now, which is kind of crazy. I've got a, a studio, as I said, and, and a school. So I do 200 hour and 300 hour teacher trainings as well. And I've been a student of yoga for about 14. Oh, God. about Yeah, 14 years now, which is crazy. And so yoga is like my whole world. I'm obsessed with it. And I really took on to the, the philosophical side, the history and, and the myth. And I, I love Hinduism. Um, so yeah, that's where my interest and fascination really lies with yoga. So yeah, so that's me. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much, Steph. I am, I'm, I'm really excited to dive into this conversation today and, um, I'm really excited too, because like myth isn't something that I've actually explored too, too much myself. Um, and so I think I'm going to learn a lot too. Um, so I would love just like to start by talking about kind of where your interest in myth has 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 come from and how it's evolved over mm -hmm. over the years well here's the thing with myth i think that we're all interested in it and i think we're all involved and in relationship with myth without even necessarily consciously knowing no. it because myth is disney and it's the ugly duckling and it's harry potter and it's and you know and this is why myth is so powerful is because we can we can relate to it. And we're like I said, we're always in relationship with it, whether we understand that or not, whether we're conscious of that or not. So myth has always been I mean, if you love Disney, you love you love myth because that's where the stories come from. It was just made a little bit different by Disney. Um, or if you love Harry Potter, then you love myth. Uh, so I've always loved, um, you know, those stories. 
was obsessed with Disney when I was a kid, like every child, but I was always really fascinated with Greek mythology. And I don't know where this comes from. I don't know where it started, but from the early, like seven, eight years old, I was just fascinated. Yeah, I know. I don't know where that came from. I'm sure my dad had books or something on it. I don't know, but I just fell in love with it. I think I fell in love with the which is why people love Harry Potter as well, but I fell in love with the fantasy of it. It's like, it took me into a different world that wasn't here, you know? And I think there was, you know, I'll be totally honest. I think there was some dissociation with that. I think I loved those stories because it took me out of the reality that I was in, um, which is challenging as a child, like most people as well. Uh, so I got to escape to this like fantasy world of Greek myth. And, you know, even being a small child reading these stories, I could relate to it. And now, you know, if I were to read the same story, however many years later, I would relate to it in a totally, totally different way. And this is why myth is so beautiful is because it's timeless. Right. Yeah. And that was another thing. So I love history, which is, (laughs) I've got a lot of weird interests. History is one of them. And so I don't know that history is a weird interest. I love history. Okay, okay, okay. Cause I think a lot of people are like, that's boring. But that was like my favorite thing in school was to learn history. And yeah, me too. Yeah, cool. Okay. So I think what I love so much about myth is that it's such a great gateway and connection to the past and the future. Because I would read these stories, these Greek, Greek mythology stories or Hindu myth. And, you know, I'll think like when I'm reading the Ramayana or something like that, I'm like, people were reading this hundreds of years ago and feeling the same way about it as, as I am in this moment. Like it's timeless. And my children's 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 maybe they'll read the Ramayana as well and, and be moved by it as well. So I love how these, if these the myth is like this art form that ties us all together, you know, it's this beautiful connection. So anyway, so I got interested in Greek mythology somehow, I have no idea how. And, um, I remember, can I share this really brief story about going to Greece? Uh, yeah, as many okay, stories cool. as, you, as you like. <laughs> it ties in, it does. Um, so I was always fascinated with Greece since I was a little kid. That was my place, like on the bucket list. If I could travel anywhere in the world, it was Greece. And I felt that way my whole life. And um, so I went to university, as everyone else does, at 18 after I graduated. And I have... And this is also where yoga came into my life as well as I think at that point, you know, being 18, 19, going to university, I was one of those people that I think a lot of people can relate to where I did for so many years, everything I was supposed to do. I, I studied my ass off so I could be top of my class. I was on all the sports teams. I was doing all this community stuff. I was doing everything right that I should be doing. And then I graduated and was like, okay, so what's next? Oh, well, everyone else is going to university. So I guess I'm going to go do that too. You know how you do things and you don't even, it's not even a choice. You just do it because everybody else is doing it, right? So I went into university and then it was the same thing. It was the stress and anxiety and worry over being top of my class and all of this sort of thing. And I kind of started to feel like, is this, is this, is this it? Like I'm going to graduate university and then just do what everyone else is doing and have a husband and a, and you know a house and all those things and I'm not saying that any of that is wrong at all if that floats your boat by all means but that wasn't my path I was just doing that because everybody else was so I did one year of university and I was stressed out my nut and this is when yoga came into my life um so I was like I was an anxious mess I was rock bottom I was like not eating because I was so stressed my hair was falling out in big clumps I was mid, I'd cry every day and I was like, is this it? Is this life? Cause this is not, <laughs> this is not right. This doesn't feel right. And I was just a mess. And I remember calling my dad. I just finished an exam in university and I was stressed out about it or whatever. And I called my dad crying. I was so upset. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. I don't know what the, what is this? Like, I don't like this. I'm not happy. What is life? You know? And my dad blessed his heart. I've got wonderful parents. And he was like, sit down and get your laptop. She's like, okay, I did got my laptop out. And he's like, please, Steph, buy a one-way ticket anywhere in the world. Your mom and I will do whatever we need to do to support you. But please take, take a semester off and go travel anywhere you want. So I was like, okay, I will. And so I booked a one-way ticket to Greece, to Athens. 
Oh my gosh. And um, yeah, and I left school. And it was one of those things, hey, where it was supposed to be a six month thing. And I, and I ended up taking six years off until I went back to university and then did that for a year and left again. But anyway, so then I, I went to Greece when I was 19 and that started off my um, travels. I traveled for a long time there. I love traveling. And so I got to go to Greece and see, be in Athens and feel the energy of, you know, of Zeus and Medusa and all this. I could feel it. I could feel the, the, there's this the spirit of these myths and how, how how old it was and to be there and to see the buildings and the architecture and the people and the food and I don't know there's something about like being in that place of that course. connected me to the myth the same same with going to India now and it's like oh my god you can feel the beat of these um these energies and these stories you can feel it when you go when you go there um, so yeah, so going to Greece, I felt like it almost solidified my love for myth, but I never learned myth in any formal, I haven't learned much in, in any formal sort of way. I learned myth by, um, by reading and well, I'll get into this uh, about how to, how to relate it into your own life. But my experience with myth and understanding myth has been very much experiential versus reading and I've done lots of reading I love reading myth but I think the best way to learn myth is to actually experience the energy of the characters and of the stories um, in your own life and see it unfold in your own life yeah oh my gosh what a what a beautiful journey that you <laughs> you shared and your your passion for, for myth is so palpable. Um, and I would so love for us to talk a little bit about, you know, because I know that for you, like myth is this thing that, and you were just talking about like kind of actively experiencing, engaging mm. with it, like this dynamic force and, and, mm. and energy and, and something that we can use, um, as a resource really and as a tool to really mm-hmm. understand ourselves and understand the world. And perhaps you could share a story or two about, you know, what it's been like to, to, to use myth and apply it in your life and how myth has helped you kind of dive deeper into yourself um, or your understanding of the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Let's just break down myth a little bit. And, and yeah, and talk about the different elements of myth, because that'll help us to understand a little bit more about how to actually apply it into our own lives. So myth, and this is why I say that, like, you know, if you like Disney, if you like Harry Potter, it's myth. So myth is a story <laughs> um, that holds character that has characters that hold a specific archetype. And what I mean by an archetype is it holds, so there's something called, um, I think this was coined by Young, I'm not 100% sure, but there's something called the collective unconscious, right? I don't know if you've heard that term before, but yes, basically, yeah. yeah, okay, so the collective unconscious is basically when it when it applies to an archetype or a character in a mythology story, uh, what it means is it's a, it's a attribute that we place on a specific character that we all do unconsciously. So for mm-hmm. example, if I were to say, what is mother to someone in Canada, the UK, Tanzania, Australia, whatever, we'd all say pretty similar things, right? If you think of what's mm-hmm. mother, you'd, you'd probably think warm, caring, loving, nurturing, right? So there are certain archetypes. If you, if you also say like the fool or the jester, you'd think of an archetype. If you think of... Um, you know, masculine form, the king, the queen, the the emperor, all that sort of thing. Um, you know, and this is where also myth ties in really nicely with tarot cards, by the way. So we can talk about yeah, this. Yeah, because tarot cards are just basically different archetypes, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, so, so we've got all these different archetypes that we all kind of um, attribute these different characteristics to that is shared universally right so if we take let's just take for example just to clarify if we take aladdin okay i'm sure everyone's familiar with aladdin that was my favorite disney movie growing up so we've got the archetype of the princess right we've got jasmine so it's this princess this beautiful royal person that's contained she's caged in this palace you know she can't be free she can't be her wild 
essence because she's contained right yeah into this role of the princess then we've got Jafar who's this like evil you know it's the same as Scar from Lion King it's like the evil um powerful masculine form and then we've got you know the dad in Aladdin who's he'd be like the naive one he gets under the spell of Jafar and whatever so we've got all these different characters that we can relate to in one way or another again without even realizing it I mean I watched Aladdin when I was a tiny kid and I related to Jasmine and Aladdin um but and I couldn't articulate that and I couldn't tell you why I did but I knew I just felt something for that story because that story was reflected in me as well so anyway so we've got these different archetypes that we can all relate to and I think the best way to really and of course, sorry, so we've got the characters, then we've actually got the story and how things are unfolding. So again, Aladdin would be, if we look at it from the perspective of um, of Aladdin or Jasmine, we could say, you know, these these people who they just want to be free. They just want to be their, their es- in their essence in their most wild and natural form. But for whatever reason, whether it's poverty or whether it's because of the opposite of that they're caged in they're contained they can't be who they actually want to be and they have to go through this whole you know falling in love and the genie and all that sort of thing to actually find themselves right so how we can start to use myth is in our own lives is to take these stories as stories of profound wisdom and especially you know I can speak most to Hindu mythology now and some of these stories, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but some of these stories have, they're so beautiful and um, powerful and timeless and, and they're so wise. So we can look at the stories themselves and see how do we relate to each of these characters and what role am I playing out in, in my life? So let's just take, for example, let's go back to Aladdin, okay? Let's just say, let's use the dad okay so you remember the dad he's the he's got power he's got status he's got a good heart you know he's a good man but he gets deluded under the spell of jafar yeah he plays you know he's that nice bubbly kind of character but he doesn't really have a backbone he's not really listening to his daughter and that sort of thing and so we can say that he's you know he's enchanted by jafar and he's playing the naive one, like he's the king and he's not opening his eyes and seeing what's right there in front of him, which is Jafar, you know, Jafar is his advisor and he's not even seeing that he's this evil guy, like he's being the naive one, right? So we can, you know, look at these stories and be like, well, where am I being the naive one? Where is there something that's right in front of me that I'm not listening to? Who in my life has me under their spell? You know, or look at Jasmine, where in my life am I caged in? Am I like behind these walls and not being free and not being, you know, my wild self? Where am I hiding behind beauty and money and that sort of thing, right? So it's really cool when you can start to look at things in that more symbolic way and especially look at yourself in that more symbolic way of like, what archetypes are you taking on in your relationships and in your life? And and, and the best way to kind of figure that out is to, you know, whether it's watching myths or reading myth or something like that, see what really resonates with you. So like Harry Potter, so many people yeah. resonate with Harry Potter, right? So if that's something that you resonate with or a different story to really look at like, okay, well, why? Why is that story resonating with you? Where does it take you? How do you feel? What? is it about that story that you can relate to that you keep going back to and then look at the characters well where's harry in you where's hermione in you you know and um start to see where you taking on these different forms and these different archetypes because we can all all hold those different archetypes with us there's times in our lives where we will be the naive one and there's times in our lives where we where we will be the mother or where we'll put people under our spell and be the manipulator you know So it's really cool to look at these stories that are seemingly outside of us and bring them inwards and like everything, you know, and actually looking at at it from the inside of like, okay, where am I in all of these pieces? 
And that's when things get really fascinating. <laughs> that's so interesting because I feel like, um, so like I was a huge reader and really interested in history and loved like storytelling and mm. being a part of the story. And so I really identify with that. But it's so interesting because this language of myth is not something that I necessarily applied to that, you know? Mm. And, and so I can really relate to what you're talking about in terms of and like talking about how, you know, at different um, moments in time, we're going to relate to the story differently mm -hmm. and, and we can think about the characters and, and what's happening and, and how they're reacting and see our own reactions in our lives or, or where there might be, you know, these shadows or, or these illuminations. Um, and it was so interesting, too, because when you were talking, so um, many differences in our stories, but one similarity is that I ended up leaving school as well after about a year and a half and cool. um, had a little <laughs> bit of a, 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 a a, a time of anxiety and left school. And what I did when I left school is um, for the first few months, I was very exhausted. And so all I did was I would go to a yoga studio every day, sometimes once, sometimes twice, and I read Harry Potter. And that's what I did to oh. recover. <laughs> and I remember, so I reread all the seven Harry Potter books. And I remember like in that moment of like my own kind of like dark days, mm -hmm. like what I saw in those books was entirely different than what I had seen, you know, during mm -hmm. other times reading them. And, and I remember mm -hmm. getting to like the, I don't know, it was like the sixth and seventh book and being like, this is all about yoga. Like it just mm -hmm. like, you know, like reading Harry Potter and seeing these kind of like spiritual and energetic elements that maybe I hadn't seen before. And, um, so yeah, it's interesting. That was kind of coming up as, as you were mm -hmm. talking, but just yeah. like, I love this approach that you take of reminding us that there is myth all around us and that like all around us at all times and, and whether it's books or, or TV shows or the stories um, that we tell or, or tarot cards, you mm -hmm. know, that there's myth everywhere. There's myth everywhere and there's symbols and metaphor everywhere. I mean, if we take myth out of it and we start to see we start to look at our lives in a more symbolic way, which is how I love to live my life. I mean, you can you can look at your dog or your your own mom or your you know whoever, and or or literal symbols that keep coming out for you. Like you know how people you know they always see a penny and that's their sign or a it's, rainbow it's, or something like that. It's like well, yeah. if you look at that more symbolically, what is that representing to you? Because it's all just pieces of yourself, you know. So. So I think that's how I like to live my life. And it's been a huge guide for me is starting to look at things with more depth and more complexity and see, well, where is this reflection within myself, especially when it comes to relationships with people, you know, if someone's really annoying you or someone, you know, does something to you to make you angry to look at that person and be like, well, who, how are they reflective in, how are they reflected? Sorry, in my life, who, who is that? Who, what archetype are they holding? that's reflected yeah. in me, if that makes sense. So yeah, and, and I learned that through myth. And one thing that I did want to say, because you brought up the word spiritual, and thank you for doing that, because I think that myth is, and can be very spiritual is, I feel like a big blockage with yogis, um, or sorry, just anybody really, with myth, especially when it comes to Hindu mythology, is that the energy currents in Hindu myth are typically gods or goddesses. And as soon yeah. as we throw in the word god or goddess people are like they start to back away from it a little bit because they think we're talking about you know a, a literal first of all they think that there's a religious connotation to it which there can be but it doesn't mean that there has to be so you can look at any mythology story whether it's something from hindu sorry from india or not you can take that and make it just a story if you want or it can be a spiritual religious um story for you right and i think i think uh, you know when I, in my yoga classes i used to teach a lot of myth and it would put people off yeah because i would be very clear listen i'm gonna say the word god and goddess but that does not mean you all i'm talking about is an energy that's inside of you so if we look at hanuman kali lakshmi any of those gods or goddesses all they are is an energy that's reflected inside of us they're not an external thing they're an internal thing 
just manifested in that external character. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you really have to explain that to people. But I, I remember teaching quite a bit of myth and mantra and that sort of thing at the start of my classes. And I know that it was putting people off. And, and you know, in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have stopped doing that just because it was putting people off. And maybe I'll start to teach a little bit more. But um, I find that there is a barrier there because I think people think as soon as you say Hinduism <laughs> or God mm-hmm. or goddess, then people kind of shy away from it. But it, it's interesting because... I feel like as we like yoga as a practice that that has so many benefits, but definitely um, in addition to like the physical, mental and emotional, like the spiritual benefits as well. um, But that that, you know, using something like mythology as part of our yoga practice and as as part of our really like self-inquiry and self-discovery can like can be such a beautiful tool to to delve inwards and so um it it feels like something that um that has like a real power to to kind of um to to elevate the practice and and to to let people, you know, like unlock another, another little piece of themselves or or to see, see the same thing in a different way. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important. It's so potent. And so, like I said, I mean, anyone in the world could read the Ramayana, the Mahabharata or something like that from, from India. And no matter where you are in the world or what age, you'll relate to something in it and you'll learn something from it and same you know same with harry potter and these more modern things for sure so i think it's really important to to really respect the potency of these of these stories for sure now is there like i know um so many conversations right now around like cultural appropriation and like how to engage with Mm. um with respect and Mm um you know and I wonder how that might be playing into it Mm -hmm. as as well. Mm -hmm. But like, like, do do you have any kind of like thoughts or words for, for someone like, because I wonder if that might be an obstacle for, for Mm -hmm. some folks in terms of like engaging perhaps with Hindu mythology. Totally, totally. And I, and I absolutely do think that it's an obstacle. I think we're in a really sensitive and interesting time right now in the world, like globally, but also within the, within the yoga community of starting to wake up to, these things like cultural sorry cultural appropriation because this sort of thing wasn't talked about 10 years ago but now it is and I think yeah. that it's great that it is and where I stand with it and I've definitely had to tend through a lot of this stuff of like wow and where am I where am I appropriating something that's maybe not mine and you know I've got a yoga studio named after Cali in Scotland and I've had to really think like how would people in India feel about that and how would the energy of Kali which is a very real energy how does she feel about being popularized in Glasgow you know somewhere that's not you know necessarily where she's from um and I'm just talking about the energy current that she holds so I've definitely had to hold to tend this within myself of, of where am I potentially contributing to this so I've had a lot of awkward conversations with myself for sure. And I think we all should do that and really question these things. But where I stand in terms of myth and yoga, just in general, is that nobody owns these things, right? Nobody owns yoga. And sure, it originated in India. And these stories, if we talk about myth, originated in India, but they were all, they were all passed down. And people, you know, if we look at people who wrote the Vedas and that sort of thing, they, they were getting things, downloads from something bigger. They were channeling from something bigger. So, and I think this sort of information should be available to all people. So when it comes to learning the stories and learning yoga and stuff, I think as long as we're respectful of where it's coming from. And, and the other thing is, you know, with yoga in general is that, things do need to adapt and evolve and I don't think that there's anything wrong with that where I start to see there being um, issues is where people are using these things incorrectly and sort of bastardizing them so when people you know do the whole like namaste thing on their you know on their shirts and that sort of thing like okay it was it was kind of cute I see okay but that to me it's like you're taking a word that means a lot to millions of people you're taking a, a 
you know, and it's and from a language that um, is very special to a lot of people. And you just, you just bastardized it. Um, and so, and I see that a lot with myth as well of people who have tattoos of Kali or, you know, different gods and goddesses on them or whatever without any sort of embodiment and just taking, you know, I can obviously speak more to Kali than any other energy current, but you know, I, I remember meeting one person who had a big um, tattoo of Kali on their arm. And I asked that, like, that's bold, you know, if you know anything about the energy of, of Kali, it's really bold to place that on your body. And I just said to this person, like, what does she mean to you? Like, what, tell me about the relationship that you have with her to, to actually put her on your arm. And they said, oh, I don't have any relationship with her. I think that she looks badass. And I was like, that's where I'm starting to be like, well, but that's someone's, pe millions of people pray to that energy, to, to Cali, and, and you just like threw it on your arm because you think it looks badass. And so that's that sort of thing, or, you know, I have lots of images of Cali in my yoga studio, and I've had people who blatantly in the studio make fun of the image or make mm. fun of Cali and that sort of thing and post things on Instagram of them and you know making fun of the image of Callie and that's the sort of thing where I'm like that's not cool that's not cool yeah. but but to just learn about the 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 gods and goddesses and learn about myth and learn about yoga I mean that's it's education it's wisdom that's been passed down for hundreds of years that I think should be accessible to all people um, so I think as yeah. long as you're using it it's, it's an embodied um art form within you and and if you're respecting where it comes from I think that that's you know beautiful continue to learn and, and engaging with reverence and honoring and yes. doing our best to learn and and to have those conversations like I think you're saying with ourselves to like check in about how we're how we're using mm -hmm. how we're using the knowledge that that we're gaining yeah thank you so mm -hmm. much for sharing that could we mm -hmm. talk a little bit about Cali because I yeah. know um that I know there is a lot of significance there for you and I would love for you to share as, as much as you feel like sharing. Yeah. Okay. So Kali, the energy and the essence of Kali came to me a very long time ago. Here's the cool thing about myth and these different characters is they'll come knocking at your door when you don't really even know that they're there, you know? And yeah. so for example, with Kali, me and my friend Jenny, who is the connection to Glasgow, that's why I moved here, good friend of mine. <clears throat> we knew back when I wasn't living in, in uh, Scotland, we knew that we wanted to do some sort of thing together, some sort of yoga teaching thing together, whether it's retreats or whatever. And so this would have been oh God, maybe 10, oh no, not quite that long, maybe eight years ago. Um, and we thought, okay, what are we gonna call ourselves? We knew it was gonna be the something collective, meaning the two of us together and then we both love myth and and we didn't know too much about it okay we didn't know much we just did our 200 hour teacher training where you barely we didn't really learn about, much about myth at all and um so we were thinking of like what's the name that we're going to call ourselves and so we were like the lakshmi collective nah the sita collective nah not so much and then we we're like the cali collective and we we're like oh that's got a ring to it we like that so we literally went on Google, Googled Cali. It came up transformation and empowerment, the goddess of transformation and empowerment. So we're like, ding, 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 that's our girl. Great. So then we then we started the Cali Collective, which was just like a name. We bought the domain. Years passed. We didn't do anything with it. Then I moved to Glasgow. That's when I decided to open up a yoga studio with Jenny. And we were like, what are we gonna call it? And then we we're like, oh, the Cali Collective. This is gonna be the Cali Collective. So then we're like, right, okay, cool. Now at this point, I didn't really have a relationship with Callie. So in hindsight, I, it was it definitely, and I paid for this, it was disrespectful for me to name something after her when I had no embodied knowledge, no relationship with her. But I loved the sound of her name. And I loved that she stood for empowerment and transformation she stands for way more than just that by the way so you know slap myself on the wrist I shouldn't have done that but I was young whatever um so I named the studio after her and that's when Callie came for me because she was like okay so you're gonna name your studio after me well you better learn a thing or two about me and she came in just whew. so Callie 
so sorry, back up a second. So that's what I mean when I say Callie kind of called me. I feel like she, she kind of knocked at my door years ago and she's like, okay, here's my name. <laughs> Use me. And then she beat me up a little bit so that I can actually have a relationship with her. So Callie is a very complex um, energy. She is not one to be called on lightly. She's if you are ready for some radical transformation. So what she does is she comes in and she rips shit up. Any foundation that you thought you had, any belief that you thought you had, especially about yourself, anything that you thought was secure and stable, she comes and rips that up. So basically COVID is very Cali energy where she comes in, you can't see her, you can't control her. She's everywhere and she's just gonna rip shit up as soon as covid hit i was like oh this is cali this is the feeling of cali where she takes any stability any foundation and she just rocks it a little bit in order to find radical transformation meaning taking you from a place of egoic constructs so what i mean by that is just i'll use personal experience of who i used to be was I boxed myself into this little person that was safe and secure and didn't go big and wasn't wild and played nice and was cool and did everything I was supposed to do and didn't disrupt. And I was pretty, you know, I was how everyone wanted me to be, right? I'm this little tiny version of myself. And that's not who I am. That's not my essence. way bigger than that so Callie kind of came in and she's like oh is this who you think you are oh (laughs) let me just rock you rock your whole world so you can actually go into your wild essence your wild form so what who so that's what Callie does and what she stands for what her energy current is is she's the archetype of the dark feminine Mm. so what I mean by that if we think feminine we normally think mother right she's also called the great mother so when we think of mother remember i brought this up earlier we normally think warm loving kind you know nurturing but there's a whole other side to mother that's how we view mother but there's a whole other side to mother there's i don't know about you but my mom was the other side it was tough love she was nourishing she was loving but it was also big time tough love there was a hardness and a coldness about I'll take my mom out of it but I'm just saying the other side of mother is also you know there can be a anger to mom you know think about childbirth there's violence there that's a violence you know um not outwardly violent necessarily but it's, it's a it's a violent act there's there's this other side to mother and that other side so the side that we don't like acknowledging the side that isn't um popular in society's view you know so the other side of of mother because again we think of mother oh you should be this pretty calm soft loving nurturing mom we don't think of mothers like oh yeah you can be angry and you can be wild and you can be untamable right so we think of the feminine in a very boxed in sort of way and Callie's the other side of that of like sure maybe maybe I will be pretty maybe I will be nurturing and blah 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 but I'm also wild and I'm also angry and I'm also and all these other things and... yes yeah. yes exactly so that's what Callie represents is the dark feminine and if you look into the symbolism of the dark feminine, again, she's the characteristic, which is, by the way, the dark feminine is in all of us, in all human beings, whether you are male or female or, or anything in between. Um, the dark feminine is inside of all of us. And the dark feminine is, again, that part of us that is, that is wild. We're in our wild nature. We're untamable you know, and not in a negative way of like, you're, you're, you know, crazy, but even that word of crazy, um, you know, how many times do women get called crazy <laughs> when really we're just intuitive and yeah, yeah, we're allowed to display anger and we're allowed to be, you know, all these other complex forms. So what Callie kind of does is she'll come and she'll rock you to get that other side unearthed and brought up because even though society wants us <laughs> to be 
you know, quiet and sweet and all those sort of things, there's also something very powerful in anger, right? There's also something very powerful in, in being fierce and being brave and being your wild natural self. So that's what Kali comes in to do is rip up the ego constructs that are keeping you small and show you that there's a whole other side to you, a whole other, you know, bigness, vastness, complexity, wildness to you. And she comes and she helps you kind of see that. So she'll rock you. <laughs> she'll rock your foundation. Again, she's not to be called on lightly. And you can imagine having a yoga studio named after her for so long. Um, I've definitely had my my share of getting my butt kicked by Callie for sure. But, you know, before she came into my life and before I was in relationship with her, because I, you know, it's more than just my studio being called after her. She's, she's, you know, when I, when I do my morning meditation and I thank the universe, I'm thanking Callie. So when I think of, you know, God, I'm saying that in quotes or the universe or whatever's out there that comes to me personally in the form of Callie. So for me, you know, I'm not Hindu or anything like that. I have deep respect for it, but I, um, I can take these characters and have so much reverence for them and, you know, have that relationship with them in my life. And I personally, just getting back to the other question there, I don't think that that's, you know, disrespectful. I think no matter where you are, you can take these, these energy currents and be with them and be in relationship with them in a really respectful way but I will say when I first opened up a studio that wasn't respectful at all <laughs> so I learned yeah. my lesson <laughs> she taught yeah. me yeah. <laughs> yeah wow I um I know we just have kind of a few minutes left but I'd love to kind of chat a little bit about ways that folks might start to look for and engage with myth in their own life um mm -hmm. and I know you've kind of listed a few already and also if if kind of in sharing that you have any other examples of, of how you've kind of used myth in in your life that would be so beautiful mm -hmm. to share mm -hmm. well i think if people are interested in myth to just get reading like whether it's greek myth or hindu mythology or whatever just start reading and notice what appeals to you notice either what you're really drawn to or what you're like repulsed by because <laughs> yeah. the things that we're repulsed by is usually some shadow stuff, right? So and I, I know, for, I know you mentioned tarot earlier, and I've been using tarot now for a few years, and and for me, it really is is like like this tool of self inquiry, you know, just to kind of see what's coming up. And for me, and I've been getting it this week actually. Though the card that like really puts me off is the devil card, and like and like that's been like a real invitation for me this week to be like, okay, what is what what? How can I think about it? And how can I relate to this card? And what can I see that maybe is looking to be illuminated? It's interesting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. yeah that's the great thing with tarot my best advice not that i'm an expert with tarot is when you start to look at symbols so tarot you know because all that is a symbology yeah. is to i was thinking when you were talking about kali that tower energy too Very. of like yeah and the death card yeah yeah so um when you start to look at these things or just anything with more a more of a symbolic eye to so usually when we pull tarot we pull a card and then we go to the little write-up right and we go to the yeah. book and we read what they interpret that symbol to be. But what I totally suggest people to do is pull a tarot card or just any symbol in your life and don't look at someone else's interpretation. What does it mean to you? What does the devil or the death card mean to you? Because that's what it's yes. for. I think a lot of us, like we, we are called to these, to these deeper external. complex. Yeah, yeah. And then we want the external justification or ex explanation for it when really it's no, no, no. What does that mean to you? So, yeah. so that's what I would say for myth is like, you don't need to go out and do courses and, you know, get all this different stuff. Just, just pick a story. You can get an, a free version online, anything you want, or, or read up about, you know, any of the gods or goddesses from Hinduism and then just sit with that and like, or look at one of the images actually of gods or goddesses and sit with that and be like, what does that mean to you? What did the colors remind you of? What is that image? Yeah. How do you feel when you see that image? What are you not seeing in it? Like, what are you totally turning towards and kind of missing out, you know? 
and and just kind of be more reflective in in your own life but i mean there's some great books out there and i think a really cool way to get introduced to mythology is if you just find some stories that are just stories for you and read them without taking notes or anything like that just read through it and then sit with it and how did you feel and you know what characters stood out to you and then maybe go back and reread it thinking more about you know specific character or part of the book or something like that so I mean myth is as I said everywhere watch a movie any movie right and think how does that character how's that an archetype how does that how's that reflected inside of you so myth is really is really everywhere but there's, there's some great books um, out there if you're interested in in Hindu mythology specifically tricky getting Hindu mythology books um, there's a lot of good stuff, but there's a lot of not so good stuff out there because a lot of people who translate the stories, and this is what happened with Disney, is they make it much nicer than it actually is. A lot of these stories, if you get great translations, there's actually a lot more grittiness to it and it doesn't get so whitewashed. There's a lot of books that by the time it comes to North America and gets translated here, it's quite whitewashed, whitewashed, sorry. But you wanna go to like, get the get the dark gritty stories. That's that's the interesting fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's what I um, like. I, uh, yeah, I love, love, love what you are talking about, about instead of, and I think this like goes for anything in life, like is is you know that pull that we want for like external validation or confirmation of things rather than like that internal sitting with it and like yeah like whether it's a tarot card or or whether it's just like that you keep you know seeing foxes everywhere exactly. or like whether yeah. it is the song that keeps like coming up like yeah. for you and hitting you really hard but just like sitting with it and meditating and like having self-reflection or journaling or like whatever it is mm -hmm. to like just kind mm -hmm. of start to dive into that and and yeah. look around and and open it up and and turn it around inside of you to just and it's, it's so interesting because I I remember um like as a kid sometimes like you know watching a movie or something and um you know that debate when when like like sometimes you watch a movie and you're like oh like for me it was about this and other people mm -hmm. are like I don't think they were actually trying to do that you know yes. and I never cared you know like or like a work of art or anything like that like to me it doesn't it's never mattered so much what the intention was in creating it though though I think like that's cool like to know the intention sometimes and and like intentions do matter but I think it can it can live simultaneously that there can be an intention behind creating something and also our interpretation of that thing mm -hmm. which can take on a whole new like realm in how it makes us feel exactly and I think that's the best kind of art and that's the best kind of music that I like is where it's up for interpretation it's not about the artist yeah. it's about the listener or the viewer or whatever it is, the recipient to actually interpret it for themselves and see, exactly. you know, see how it's reflected in themselves. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much for being here. There are um, so many like beautiful pieces of wisdom that you shared. And I would love, I know you were just mentioning that there's kind of some, some maybe good books and not so books mm -hmm. out there. Do you have a favorite book? Yes. Women Who Run With Wills is mm. unbelievable it that rocked me and that that really got me to see things um much more reflectively in my life and i had huge transformation from that book it's a bunch of different short stories so a different mythology story and then she from all over the world and then she breaks it down and it really is oh it's one of the most beautiful i've read that so many times it's beautiful so i think every person <laughs> should read women who run with with wolves it's so interesting you say that because it is like sitting right above me i've i've um i i picked it up a while ago and and made it partway like into the first chapter and was like I, I but like you know when you get a book and you're like oh this is gonna be good like you just like have yes. that feeling like there's yes. like that like like there's there's something about it and i'm like a reverence and and i um I'm looking forward to hopefully curling up with it over the holidays because, yeah, so um, yeah the, there's these things that come to our lives sometimes where you're like, oh yeah, this is, this is, so mm. I look forward, I look forward to reading yeah. that one. Yeah. Take it slowly, take it slowly, devour it slowly. It's an amazing book, but anyone who's interested in Hindu mythology, honestly, the way that I started to get into it is reading children's books. 
first, mm. which I know sounds really weird, or watching children's books, or sorry, children's movies on YouTube, because these stories, the Ramayana and the Mahabharata and all that, they're very, very complex and long. So get an introduction, a short introduction first, see if it floats your boat, and then look for some translations um, online. Yeah, so much Amazing. out there, so much out there, though. Thank you so much, Steph. It's um, it's been such such a pleasure to learn from you today. Um, is there anything else on your heart that you'd like to share before we wrap up? Oh my gosh, I know I'll think of so many things afterwards, but no, I just I hope people are inspired to go out there and and start to um, read these beautiful stories with more complexity and, and more self um, reflection because there's so much to learn from these stories. They're so beautiful. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. And um, folks can find you online. I know you're on Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's uh, Steph Wall Yoga, right? Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us in conversation today all about myth. As always, I really love hearing any insights or reflections, um, any ideas or questions that this episode sparked. You can always get in touch with me on Instagram. It's at Megan L. Johnston. Uh, or you can find my contact information at MeganJohnston.com. If you enjoyed this episode or, or have enjoyed episodes in, in the past, it would mean so much if you took a few minutes to head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We celebrated one year of the podcast last week and reviews are such an incredible tool um, to support the podcast and this work as we continue to grow and share together. As always, we'll be back next Tuesday. Keep living with heart and wonder.